0: Inflation in Rwanda, Ghana and Nigeria hit decade highs. We also explore the Stop ECOP campaign. What is Uganda doing to meet the environmental, social and governance concerns raised? Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your Pulse on Everything Business. In Africa, I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial and you can find me at Ritha Dong there's been an unrelenting pressure mounted by environmental groups under the banner stop ecop which has led to a growing list of banks and insurers quitting the oil pipeline project the 897 mile oil pipeline is built to be the longest heated pipeline in the world. The China National Oil Corporation, the French energy conglomerate Total Energies, alongside the Uganda National Oil Company and the Tanzanian Petroleum Development Corporation have remained firm in pushing ahead with the pipeline project, which is expected to start transporting oil in 2025. In our final part of our oil and gas series in Uganda, Ellison Karahanga, chairman of the Oil and Gas Committee of the East African Law Society returns to talk about Net zero and the ESG concerns raised by Stop ECOP. Have all stakeholders done their part to ensure that ECOP answers all the ESG concerns raised by the Stop ECOP proponents?
1: I think the, there's been a very strong campaign to single out and pressurize financial institutions around the world to stop them from participating in our project, which is going to contribute 0.00001% of. Anything, there's, there's certainly pressure that's being applied to the banks. Uh, I don't know if I saw I saw pressure. There's a lot of pressure that Deutsche Bank has been identified as. I, I think in years to come there probably a reassessment. But 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 it's more than in just that. I think the environmental awareness and the environmental activism, the two things that have moved along, have certainly made this project more expensive. Uganda will be using 100 megawatts of solar power to power a pipeline that could have powered itself for free using the gas from the pipeline. We need a heated pipeline. We're going to bring in solar. That capex alone has increased the project cost by more than $120 million. The sort of piping that you're having on that pipeline, it is so specialized that if Uganda was a country like... um like Iraq under Saddam Hussein, you would have a scenario where they would think you're, you're building nuclear reactors. Some of the, some of the, the thickness of the pipe, pipe detection systems just for the pipeline was not happening in, 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 uh, in, uh, everywhere. The, the project has certainly, to answer ESG concerns, become more expensive. A lot more money is being spent to make sure that the project is safe. So there is certainly an impact that, I wouldn't, that maybe you can put down partly to activism, but maybe a large part towards risk mitigation.
0: How can Uganda balance climate change concerns and the development of her fossil fuels?
1: The question is, can we do these projects in such a way that they emit net zero? And the answer is absolutely. Why not? Because all you have to do, take for example the fact that in Uganda, the entire oil project, the emissions that will happen here will not exceed within the range of 1.8 million metric tons of carbon dioxide released into the atmosphere from a refinery, from the exploration, from the drilling activities, from the pipeline. The pipeline is the least emitter because it's buried underground. Deforestation contributes 3.8 million metric tons of carbon dioxide to the atmosphere in Uganda. From charcoal. Ugandans are cutting trees to cook. Uganda's population is growing. By 2050, we'll have 100 million people in this country. Will we have any trees left? The rate at which we are cutting down the forests to survive means that the biggest risk to us, the real actual risk is actually boring. It's us eating. The real activism should focus on us using firewood and cooking oil. It is today almost three times what will happen when we produce our oil. Fortunately, our oil has two things. It has what is called associated gas. When the oil comes out of the ground, it comes, this gas that comes with it. From the Uganda's oil fields, we're expecting to producing about 100,000 tons of uh, of associated gas per year. I, I forget the number. When we build a refinery, again, we'll be able to produce gas. Now, the gas could be burnt, could be flared. In fact, in most places in the world, the gas is actually fled for escapes. What we intend to do is to pack the gas from both the refinery, which will produce about double the amount from the oil field. So about 240,000 uh, metric tons of um, of, uh, of LPG, of liquefied petroleum gas. So we shall produce liquefied petroleum gas from the oil production, and we shall produce liquefied petroleum gas from the refining. Which liquefied, you, right now, we. We, and liquid petroleum gas are those gas cylinders we use in our homes to cook. It's the gas system that helps us cook. If we are able to produce sufficient amounts of gas and then run a fantastic program, we can be able to actually challenge the sort of deforestation that's happening. If we can introduce more people to move away from cooking with gas, with firewood, to cooking with gas. For every person we can do that for by tripling or quadrupling the capacity of the LPG that we have in right now, is a fantastic contribution to the fight against climate change. What are the alternatives do we have to stop people from cutting down those trees? How there is no single home in Uganda, okay, maybe not no single home, but hardly a home for one thing or the other it doesn't use firewood and charcoal, and so there's a very huge opportunity to have cheap, available gas. So why would that project be refused? Because of what? Except some different ideas. Um, that's one area, area in which you can have net zero. The other thing we, we, we must come to realise is that poverty, the whole point is that poverty and underdevelopment are a risk to our environment here. And um, conserving poverty is not going to save the whole planet. Those who are saving the planet, those who are seeing profits over people, People over profits, need to actually put people over ideology. Need to put people over dogma. Need to put people over extremism. Need to put people over unchangeable ideas. I need to understand that some people, natural gas, some treasuries need an injection from the oil things. That for us, we're not looking to save the planet in 2100. We are. We are very interested in what happens 2100. But we also have some problems today. Would require solution.
0: That was Ellison Karuhanga, chairman of the Oil and Gas Committee of the East African Law Society. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. Our inflation rate in Nigeria increased to 19.64% in July of 2022, the highest since September of 2005 from 18.6% in June, with a weakening Naira continuing to pressure costs of imports up. Food inflation increased to 22%, the highest since May last year, mainly due to rising costs for bread and cereals, potatoes, yam and other tubers, meat, fish, oil and fat. Other upward pressure came from gas, liquid fuel, solid fuel, percentage transport by road and by air, garments, cleaning, repair and hire of clothing. Compared to the previous month, the CPI went up 1.82%. In Ghana, the annual inflation accelerated for the 14th straight month to 31%. 0.7% in July of 2022, from 29.8% in June, breaching the upper ceiling of the central bank's target band of 6% to 10% for 11 months. It's the highest reading since December of 2003, surpassing market forecasts of 30.8%. Prices quickened farther for both food and non-food products on the back of a weakening study. With prices of imported goods outpacing domestic ones for the fourth month, on a monthly basis, consumer prices advanced by 3.1%, up slightly from a 3% rise in the previous month. The annual inflation rate in Rwanda soared to 19.6% in July of 2022 from 16.1% in the previous month. It's the highest reading since February of 2009, mainly on prices of food and non-alcoholic beverages, notably uh, vegetables and bread and cereals. Additional upward pressure came from furnishings and household equipment, restaurants and hotels, recreation and culture, housing and utilities and transport on a monthly basis. Consumer prices surged by 2.7% after increasing 1.2% in the previous month. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of The K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website, that is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at The K Financial. And you can find me at With